Chapter Four of Tom Swift and His Airship. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tom Swift and His Airship by Victor Appleton. Chapter Four A Trial Trip. There was no fear that Anson Morse would return to the attack blinded by the whitewash which ran in his eyes but which being slaked did not burn him he groped blindly about pawing the air with his outstretched hands you wait you wait you'll suffer for this he spluttered as soon as he could free his mouth from the trickling fluid then wiping it from his face with his hands as best he could he shook his fist at tom i'll pay you and that black rascal back he cried you wait i hope she'll pays me soon answered eradicate guess as how dat whitewash was worth twenty-five cents and i got to go get mo to finish doing a chicken coop i'm working on whoa old boomerang there ain't gonna be no more trouble i reckon morse did not reply he had been most unexpectedly repulsed and with the whitewash dripping from his garments he turned and fairly ran toward a strip of woodland that bordered the highway at that place Tom approached the colored man and held out a welcoming hand. I don't know what I'd done if you hadn't come along, Rad, the lad said. That fellow was desperate, and this was a lonely spot to be attacked. Your whitewash came in mighty handy. Yes, sir, Mr. Swift, that's what it done. I knowed I could use it on him if he got too obstreperous, and that's what he done. But I were going to fight him with my bresh if he'd made any more trouble. Oh, I fancy we've seen the last of him for some time said Tom, but he looked worried It was evident that the happy Harry gang was still hanging around the neighborhood of Shopton and the fact that Morse was bold enough to attack our hero in broad daylight Argued that he felt little fear of the authorities If you wants to catch him mr. Swift went on eradicate you can trace him by the whitewash what drops off in him and he pointed to a trail of white drops which showed the path morse had taken no the less i have to do with him the better i like it answered the lad but i can't thank you enough rad you've helped me out of difficulties several times now you put me on the trail of the men in the deserted mansion you warned me of the log andy foger placed across the road and now you've saved me from morse oh that's nothing mr swift you has so done lots for me sides my mule boomerang am entitled to de most credit dis here time i were coming down the street on my way to a whitewashing job when i seen yo and your lickety split machine for so eradicate designated a motorcycle i knowed it was yo and i didn't like the looks of that man then i see he had hold of you and i thought he were a burglar so i yelled to boomerang to hurry up now mostly when i wants boomerang to hurry he goes slow and when i wants him to go slow he runs away but this year time he knowed he were coming to help yo and he certainly did leg it and that's what he done he run like he were going home to a stable full of oats and that's how i got here so quick then i thought of the whitewash and i just used it it was the most effective weapon you could have used said tom gratefully Deed, no, Mr. Swift, I didn't ab no weapon, spoke Eradicate earnestly. I ain't even got my razor, cause I left it home. 
I didn't have no weapon at all. I just used the whitewash like you seen me. Well, that's what I meant, answered Tom, trying not to laugh at the simple Negro's misunderstanding. I'm ever so much obliged to you. Just the same. And here's a half dollar to pay for the whitewash. Oh, no, Mr. Swift. I don't want to take it. I can make more whitewash. But Tom insisted and picked up his machine to sprint for home. Eradicate started to tell over again how he urged Boomerang on, but the lad had no time to listen. But I didn't have no weapon, Mr. Swift. No, indeedy, none at all, not even my razor, repeated Eradicate, only de pail of whitewash, that is, lest you called my bresh a weapon. Well, it's a sort of one, admitted Tom with a laugh as he started his machine. Come around next week, Rad. We have some dirt eradicating for you to attend to. Deed, and I will, Mr. Swift. Eradicate is my name, and I eradicates de dirt. But that man did look odd with that pail of whitewash all over him. He saw it did look most extraordinarily. Get up, boomerang. See if you can break some old speed records now. But the mule appeared to be satisfied with what he had done. And as he rode off, Tom looked back to see the colored man laboring to get the sleepy animal started. The lad did not tell his father of the adventure with Morse, but he related the occurrence to Mr. Sharp. I'd like to get hold of that scoundrel and the others in the gang, exclaimed the balloonist. I'd take him up in the airship and drop him down into the lake. He's a bad man, and so are the others. Wonder what they want around here. That's what's puzzling me, admitted Tom. I hope Dad doesn't hear about them, or he will be sure to worry and maybe it will interfere with his new ideas. He hasn't told you yet what he's engaged in inventing, has he? No, and I don't like to ask him. He said the other day, though, that it would rival our airship, but in a different way. I wonder what he meant. It's hard to say, but I don't believe he can invent anything that will go ahead of our craft, even if he is my own father and the best one in the world, said Tom, half-jokingly. Well, I got the bolts. Now let's get to work. I'm anxious for a trial trip. No more than I am. I want to see if my ideas will work out in practice as well as they do in theory. For a week or more, Tom and Mr. Sharp labored on the airship with Mr. Jackson to help them. The motor, with its twenty cylinders, was installed, and the big aluminum holder fastened to the frame of the planes. The rudders, one to control the elevation and depression of the craft, and the other to direct its flight to the right or left were attached, and the steering wheel, as well as the levers regulating the motor, were put in place. About all that remains to be done now, said the aeronaut one night, as he and Tom stood in the big shed, looking at their creation, is to fit up the car and paint the machine. Can't we make a trial trip before we fit up the car, ready for a long flight? asked the young inventor. Yes, but I wouldn't like to go out without painting the ship. Some parts of it might rust if we get into the moist, cloudy upper regions. Then let's paint it tomorrow, and as soon as it's dry, we'll have a test. All right, I'll mix the paint the first thing in the morning. It took two days to paint the machine, for much care had to be used, and when it was finished, Tom looked admiringly up at it. We ought to name it, suggested Mr. Sharp, as he removed a bit of paint from the end of the nose. To be sure, agreed Tom, and hold on, I have the very name for it, Red Cloud. Red Cloud? questioned Mr. Sharp. 
Yes, exclaimed Tom with enthusiasm. It's painted red, at least the big aluminum gas cylinder is, and we hope to go above the clouds in it. Why not red cloud? Then that's what it shall be, conceded the balloonist. If I had a bottle of malted milk or something like that, I'd christen it. We ought to have a young lady to do that part, suggested Tom. They always have young ladies to name ships. Were you thinking of any particular young lady? asked Mr. Sharp softly, and Tom blushed as he replied, Oh, no, of course that is. Well, oh, hang it, christen it yourself, and let me alone, he finished. Well, in the absence of Miss Mary Nestor, who I think would be the best one for the ceremony, said Mr. Sharp, with a twinkle in his eyes, I christen thee Red Cloud. And with that he sprinkled some water on the pointed nose of the red aluminum gas bag, for the aeronaut and Tom were on a high staging on a level with the upper part of the airship. Red Cloud it is, cried Tom enthusiastically. Now tomorrow we'll see what it can do. The day of the test proved all that could be desired in the way of weather. The fact that an airship was being constructed in the swift shops had been kept as secret as possible, but of course many in Shopton knew of it, for Andy Foger had spread the tidings. I hope we won't have a crowd around to see us go up, said Tom, as he and Mr. Sharp went to the shed to get the Red Cloud in readiness for the trial. I shouldn't want to have them laugh at us if we fail to rise. Don't worry. We'll go up all right, declared Mr. Sharp. The only thing I'm at all worried about is our speed. I want to go fast, but we may not be able to until our motor gets tuned up. But we will rise. The gas machine had already been started, and the vapor was hissing inside the big aluminum holder. It was decided to try to go up under the lifting power of the gas and not use the aeroplane feature for sending aloft the ship as there was hardly room around the shops for a good start. When enough of the vapor had been generated to make the airship buoyant, the big doors of the shed were opened, and Tom and Mr. Sharp, with the aid of Garrett and Mr. Swift, shoved it slowly out. There it is! There she comes! cried several voices outside the high fence that surrounded the Swift property. They're going up! Andy Foger is in that bunch, remarked Tom with a grim smile. I hope we don't fail. We won't. Don't worry, advised Mr. Sharp. The shouts outside the fence increased. It was evident that quite a crowd of boys as well as men had collected, though it was early in the morning. Somehow news of the test had leaked out. The ship continued to get lighter and lighter as more gas was generated. It was held down by ropes, fastened to stakes driven into the ground. Mr. Sharp entered the big car that was suspended below the aeroplane. Come on, Tom, the aeronaut called. We're almost ready to fly. Will you come too, Mr. Swift and Garrett? Some other time, promised the aged inventor. It looks as though you are going to succeed, though. I'll wait, however, until after the test before I venture. How about you, Garrett? asked Tom of the engineer as the young inventor climbed into the car. The ground is good enough for me, was the answer with a smile. Broken bones don't mend so easily when you're past sixty-five. But we're not going to fall, declared Mr. Sharp. Already, Tom? Cast off. Here we go. The restraining ropes were quickly cast aside, slowly at first, and then with a rush, as though feeling more and more sure of herself, 
the red cloud arose in the air like a gigantic bird of scarlet plumage up and up it went higher than the house higher than the big shed where it had been built higher higher and higher there she is cried the shrill voices of the boys in the meadow and the hoarser tones of the men mingled with them hurrah crawled tom softly to the balloonist we're off and he waved his hand to his father and garrett i told you so spoke mr sharp confidently i'm going to start the propellers in a minute oh dear me goodness sakes alive cried mrs baggert the housekeeper running from the house and wringing her hands i'm sure they'll fall she looked up apprehensively but tom only waved his hand to her and threw her a kiss clearly he had no fears though it was the first time he had ever been in an airship mr sharp was as calm and collected as an ocean captain making his hundredth trip across the atlantic throw on the main switch he called to our hero and tom moving to amidships in the car did as directed mr sharp pulled several levers adjusted some valves and then with a rattle and bang the huge twenty-cylinder motor started waiting a moment to see that it was running smoothly mr sharp grasped the steering wheel then with a quick motion he threw the two propellers in gear they began to whirl around rapidly here we go cried tom and sure enough the red cloud now five hundred feet in the air shot forward like a boat of the water only with such a smooth gliding easy motion that it seemed like being borne along on a cloud she works she works cried the balloonist now to try our elevation rudder and as the red cloud gathered speed he tilted the small planes which sent the craft up or down according to the manner in which they were tilted the next instant the airship was pointed at an angle toward the clouds and shooting along at swift speed while from below came the admiring cheers of the crowd of boys and men end of chapter four